Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides mental health resources to people who are navigating the trauma of a positive SCI diagnosis. I realize that's redundant. I probably shouldn't say positive STI diagnosis because if you get an STI diagnosis, I guess that's positive in itself. I am coming to you from this bougie-ass uh, recording space where I'm all put to shame because I'm using my phone. You got an iPad set up, two microphones. I don't even know what brand Rockville is. You got the Lysol wipes, the hand sanitizer, the face mask, the whole like COVID uh, compliance. prevention compliance. Yeah. And I'm still recording on my phone because I don't <laughs> want to deal with all this shit. Uh, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm I'm good. Like now, I feel like I really need to give people more than me recording on a fucking phone. But you don't <laughs> understand. Like what you do is so just straight up. You don't know at the drop of the dime who you're gonna talk to. So yours is a little bit. You're ready for what your day is gonna be. Me, I'm like, let's set it up. I want to edit. I want to be able to mix it. I want to drop music in it. I want people to see us, and I want the sound to be as clear as possible so people can like really catch how bad I butcher my words. So, yeah. You really just highlighted that I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, like, you carry all of this with you when you go places? Like, do you yeah. typically, like, mobile podcasts? Yeah, it's a small mixer. Mm-hmm. And the cardioids just lift right up out of the stand, out of the mounts. And, um, yeah, I mean, I want to... I'm. I, I want to be as professional as it comes. I went to school for TV and radio broadcast because oh. my goal was to do voiceovers. Like everyone's always told me, you have such a unique voice. Use your voice. And I used to get made fun of from my voice. So for me, it's like actually like a really sensitive thing when people are like, you have a really funny voice. I'm like, thank you. Like, you know, and that's when I figured like, well, let me go to school to use my voice. Yeah. And But they taught me stuff I didn't even care about. Mm. I don't want to be on the radio. And I don't want to be in front of the camera that much. But I've discovered my voice recently and my purpose is to use my voice. So that's where my podcast and my business came from. It's like, let's just do it. Like, put it to work. I'm not going to do it half-assed. So I'm doing it. Yeah. So not radio, not TV. Podcasting was just a perfect middle ground. It's simple. Mm -hmm. You know, and with the video, I can either put it on Facebook. I could make a YouTube channel because... The, the group of individuals that I want to reach are all on YouTube. Yeah. You know, like, I'm looking for all, like, you know, I'm a millennial, so I know I grasped, you know, our Generation X, but my whole goal is to capture us Ys and the Zs and the Alphas, because my whole goal in my business is to help grow store youth. I want youth to know that they're supported. Yeah. And, you know, again, about being positive, if we can't shine real light on how they're going to develop. You know, that's the purpose of my business, restoring our youth, not just skincare, deeper than dermal. Yeah. So while we're there, why don't you give us more about the business? Like, tell us your name. How can we find it? What's it about? What's your oh, podcast? Yeah, so it's Go. so new. It's so new. And, like, so me and Courtney have talked, like, we've talked. Um, I'm on cinerostore.com, www.cinerostore, it's C-I-N-N-A-R-O-S-T-O-R, um, and our name, well, Cinna, short for cinnamon, and skin, I love my cinnamon skin, um, I use cinnamon in just about all of my products, and then Rose Store, uh, I use Rotip, I used to be a florist, and I like roses, 
So in rose and rose hip is this like restoring agent to help like tighten and lighten. So my products are restoring our youth, but our podcast is restoring our faith for the youth. And on your podcast, you interview kids, right? Everybody. Oh. Yeah, youth enthusiast, young entrepreneurs. That's our goal. Okay. We want to know how COVID, how life, how everything is going for them. And we want to help them know that they're supported and give them resources. Yeah, okay. That was too smooth of a transition not for me to put that at the beginning. So <laughs> normally I ask people at the end, yeah, so what are you doing now? But yeah, now that we got that out the way, so uh, you got herpes. I do. And how long ago did you get it? Oh my gosh. Let me rephrase that. How long ago did you find out you had it? I was diagnosed 23. I thought you was about to say 23 years ago. I was like, how old are you? (laughs) I was diagnosed at, I want to say, 23 years old. Um, But to this day, I feel like I I had it before that. Mm. Whether it was just like being um, naive or not realizing my health, like what was going on. And I think it was just because I was promiscuous and the things that I did, I didn't realize what I was doing. So whether it was unprotected sex or just fondling somebody else's parts, and touch because honestly, yeah, you know. So I I've been diagnosed and aware for ten years. Okay. Um, and I've only been really honest about it for the past seven, six, mm-hmm. five, six. Because when I found out, I was actually in a relationship, and he didn't have it. So. Um, How do you know he didn't have it? Did he? He tested. He tested. Like, we were, show you yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. And here's the scary part. He had the vasectomy, mm. and he didn't get it. Like so, when I had my like that fucking outbreak. And again, this is why I say I I'm pretty positive I had it before. And you know when you're just in denial, like oh, maybe it's an ingrown, but you kind you know it's not. Mm-hmm. So I, I there I had years of just like playing my health off. I didn't I was in denial. I didn't actually realize what was wrong with me, and I lied a lot. You know and. Uh, when I got diagnosed, I was in a relationship, and obviously I told him, and I was worried for him, because um, I had a horrible outbreak. I was sick as a dog. How do you tell somebody when you're in a relationship that you have herpes? <laughs> and how do you handle them how being did, like, well, I ain't got it? How did I handle it then? Yeah. I cried my eyes out, I think, when I told him. I was ashamed. Um, but he accepted it. I mean, it is what it is. You're If you're an adult, I mean, you should be having an adult mind spin when you're actually having sex, like you can have that communication, like real talk. If you're going to sleep with someone, you should be able to talk about your sexual health because what could happen has to be on the table. So that relationship, me and that that guy, we were together five years. After or total? Total. And I found out like my first year with him. So that's how I knew. Well, first off, he was a ride or die. Like, and we always had a clear communication about cheating or anything. So I think it really depends on who you're having the conversation with and how they're going to perceive it. And I used to I used to worry about who I told. Like, oh, yeah. are they going to judge me? And I'd listen to them. Like, I'd go on a date or two or three with guys and listen to how they talk about people. Because I'm like, oh, if you're able to say that about someone, what do you really think about me? Like, oh, I have herpes. Like, you have an issue with that? So I used to listen before I would, I wouldn't tell people. I lived in this secret for years and I had so much depression. Um, And just one day, I don't know. I don't know what happened. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just I just started being real with myself. As I had more relationships with the people in my life and I opened up to other people about it, they tell me you have to be real to yourself. You know, you have to live with you. Who'd you start to open up to? People from the YMCA. What? Really? Like, were these friends? Were these strangers? They're co-workers friends. or what? They're co-workers. And it's people who are light workers. Like, one of my friends, her name is Nicole, and she's a social worker. She's a counselor. And we talk about everything. Just our mental well-being. You know, like, you're involved with so many people who are ill. And if you're empathic, sometimes if you don't know how to block or shield yourself, you know, we get intoxicated. And we'd have real conversations about our life and about the lives that we touch. And when I went through this major breakdown, finally, it was, it had to be like five years ago, so 2015, um, she was there and I told her and I was still living with this secret. Like I wasn't telling people. I had friends that would say horrible things like, oh, oh, did you hear about that girl? She's a burner. My mouth would fucking drop. Like this is the things you're saying about people because they have herpes? You don't know I have herpes and you make me feel horrible about myself. So I wouldn't tell anybody. And five years ago, I left my job. I left Mass- I'm from Massachusetts. I left Massachusetts. I left a 70K salary job for $5.66 to go work on a ship. And I just decided to change my life because what I was doing was so bad. I was living in secret. I couldn't trust anyone. I didn't know if I could tell my friends or if I couldn't tell my friends, and I wasn't telling my friends. And then uh, I went on a ship and I dealt with bad employment and I've dealt with all sorts of stuff in my life. Still dealt with depression, moved a couple more times through my life because I think we're all on this journey trying to figure out where our place is. Moved to Florida, hated it, miserable. Was there for two months. I've been living in Ohio for the past three years, three and a half. And I found my voice here. I found my purpose here. I realized, you know what, if you're going to be my friend, you're going to accept me for who I am. If you're, if you really matter, you won't mind. So at this point, I'm just like, you know what, I have to just be real to who I am. And I just came out. I said, F this. I'm tired of people judging me. I'm tired of holding myself back by not being honest with myself and others. My depression was real. The herpes is real. But you know what? You can get over it. Like if, if, It's like ownership. As soon as you own something, it doesn't bother you anymore. Yeah, it's like uh, people dread making payments on things. I'm one of those people. But like <laughs> once you paid it off, it's over with. It's like, oh, all right. So when you say ownership, that's kind of like how I think about it. Like, God, fuck, I got to pay rent. I got to pay rent. I got to pay this mortgage or whatever. But then when the house is paid off, it's like, ah, no more of that. I don't have to deal with it anymore. I know that like a lot of people who listen to this probably can't relate to that particular thing, but just in thinking about what it means to have ownership over something that has so much ownership over you, mm-hmm. you know, look at it like that from that perspective. You know, it's either going to be me running this ship or it's going to be having herpes, having depression that's going to run this ship, especially like with having access to resources that we can have to help us sort through everything and navigate these things. It's just a matter of them being available to us, too. The groups um, are a huge resource. I didn't start coming to the events until last year, 2019. And I've learned a lot about the community. Um, I think being around like-minded people who just... One, the community is freeing itself. You know, you can just be human. You don't have to worry about stigmas anymore. 
but the community itself and being around such positive people makes it a lot easier to be positive about having herpes. Point blank. Regardless what you take out of here, when you're here, it's just like, you know what? It's all good. And even when you take it, if you take it with you, which is hopefully the goal, if you take these connections and you make a network, it makes it so much happy. Like, this is a great community. We are probably, like, we're so much stronger than a lot of people because of how we deal with and work together through everybody hating on us. Because they do. They They hate what they don't know. Well, you probably already have it. <laughs> or you've had herpes of some sort, chicken pox, or sh- you'll have shingles, or, or, or cold sore. But people hate on the fact of what they don't know, and if they're worried. Like, our community is huge. Yeah. It's humongous. And it's so big, yet so separated, that it seems like it's invisible. Like, there are so many different groups, so many, uh, like, social media pages that talk about herpes, and then there's in-person groups, and then there's on different social media platforms, so it's just so sort of, like, separated that the stigma doesn't allow for us to just be able to say, hey, all of you herpes groups come to be in this herpes group, because then, like, you run the question of, well, if that's just being announced out there, what if someone I know joins a group just to see if I'm in there and they find out I'm in there and then they out me to the world and then everyone knows I have herpes and my life's ruined. We have, you've got HIPAA compliance for people's privacy laws. But people who have HIV go on a list across the world. So where's the HIPAA compliance with their name going on a list? And the same thing with our communities. Okay, we're in a community Everybody's in these communities. They just don't realize they are. We're here. And honestly, I think I should just make a group that's public. Like, herpes public. Let's come on out. Let's stop being secret. Because I think if everybody realizes that we're all actually in the same group, it's not going to be shunned. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be this block. And the stigma is about it on media. It's stupid. Because <laughs> I don't even know how to put this. They... There's really no reason for it to be a joke anymore. It's the same thing as HIV and AIDS. It's not joked upon anymore. It's a serious matter. It affects people hardcore. It's a, Having herpes is a serious, life-changing event. It's not the fact that it changes you permanently. It changes your health. It changes your mind. It changes how you actually physically treat your body. Because if you actually didn't treat your body well, then the virus would win. But I think everybody in the community is more healthier than the people who are outside of the community. We actually care about the food we put in and what we don't put in because it triggers us. It triggers the virus. So I think everybody should be preaching herpes. I don't think it should be in a private group. It should be a public group. Everybody should be able to come in and chime in on it and talk about it. It should be something that is open freely That because this is a, this is a disease that has mutated with our bodies over the years. That's why there is chicken pox and now and then there's herpes and now there's shingles and how many different strands of a virus are there? So people need to actually be more open to it. It needs to be just straight up in the open and say, listen, this is what it is. People who have it can protect you from it if we talk about our sexual health together. If you are too afraid to have a sexual conversation, you should not be having sex. Period. 
period. period. Drop the mic. Walk away. <laughs> you said two things that I wanted to touch on, one of which is escaping me, but uh, I'd like to take it back to where you said, you know, you were promiscuous. And so it's interesting that you say that, get herpes, now in hindsight, looking back, are able to say that, like, were your beliefs upon diagnosis just more so validated about your identity as a sexual being? Can you rephrase that? So the question <laughs> is... Sorry. <clears throat> what, what were your thoughts when you were diagnosed after you... I mean, yeah, you cried, but you say you know you were being promiscuous and you got herpes. So did you feel like you deserved this? Did you feel like, oh, it was coming? Or what? My diagnosis was 10, like I got, the test was 10 years ago. I was in a relationship. Before that, I was in a relationship with a guy on and off. And in that time, I, we dated other people. He also, long story short on that one, like if we're really going into how I got herpes, if it was him and it might not have been, I found out he has like living a double life. Um, and my situation with him, like when you're in a relationship and it's not, um, clear about the intentions going forward, you dabble around in other things. So I never said, Jen, you are a horrible person. You did horrible things and you deserve to get herpes. Never was a thought. The thought, I think when I didn't tell people it was, Jen, you're a horrible person for not disclosing and I didn't do that that much, but I did it. I know I did it. I did it at least a few times, maybe a handful. Um, but it was never the fact that I thought that because of my actions, I deserve herpes and I'm a horrible person. No, it's normal. This is a normal virus. It's a normal disease that people get. It's been going around for years. This isn't new and it happens. I mean, I could have, I could have got, I could have, I have type two. I could have kissed somebody when I was younger or shared a drink with someone and had type one. It's common. I could have scratched my face and touched somebody who touched their genitals and then had something on my skin. It's just the fact that I touched something and I touched my private parts or they touched me with theirs and now I have it down there. It's not the fact that I did something wrong. I don't, I don't think it's a punishment. And at this point in my life, I actually think it's a blessing mm -hmm. because I wouldn't be honest. I wouldn't be open. I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have herpes. The thing that I remembered now that I wanted to ask you about the second question was in regards to the CDC. So everything that you just said says that your behavior changed on the CDC side. When you look up herpes testing and why they don't recommend it, it's because studies have shown that behavior doesn't change after a person's diagnosed with herpes. I have about 200 recordings talking to people with STIs and none of them say that they their behavior stayed the same, none of them. So here we are like with more validating points that there is a behavior change that occurs. So with that being said, like what do you think about the CDC's reasoning for not testing people being that because behavior doesn't change. Well, CDC is wrong. Again, this is. A... But they have they have they have studies that show, so they can't be wrong. <laughs> no, I mean I get their take is 
why test something when there's no actual symptoms? Like, let's think about COVID. You're mm -hmm. asymptomatic. They, and now they don't even want us to go get tested. They're like, no, let's slow down testing because our numbers are bad. Okay, so um, it's almost like that catch-22 devil's advocate. You need to test. I think it's important to test. If you don't know your status, then how can you help prevent it? First thing. I don't, I can see where the CDC says, okay, you don't have any symptoms. So why go stir the pot? Why create that worry in your mind because you're going to drive yourself sick thinking, you know, oh, but you have no symptoms. But if you get yourself tested and you know the facts, you can let you have a peace of mind like, okay, I do have it. And maybe you can actually take responsibility for your shit and, and get help, read about it and not give it to somebody else. Care about somebody else and care about your own mental health and your, ment and your physical wealth. So you can help other people. The CDC, I think, is actually causing more harm telling people not to get tested if they don't actually have an outbreak. But then there's that, that catch-22 still. You could have a positive, you could have a positive test and not have any signs ever. And then you're like, well, what do I do? I don't get outbreaks. Do I, do I really have to tell? Do I have to disclose? And you should because you're living with that antibody. I don't get the HIV drugs that make it undetectable. If you once you've had a diagnosis that said it's been positive with a, an antibody, it's there to me. I don't get that one. I, they do stuff that I am just like, listen, as a normal human being, I want to know what's in my blood. I want to know if I can hurt somebody so I don't hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to take care of myself the best as possible. So if I don't know that I have a virus in my body, how do I defend myself from the virus when it decides to attack? Your mental health was impacted. Was it by your diagnosis or was it by circumstances around your diagnosis? Or was it even something else? You mentioned depression. Yeah, my mental health has always been, I was, I've always been a loner. I don't think I ever really stood in to groups. So that's one reason why these communities, like our, our groups are so great because everybody's welcome. Uh, when I was younger, I didn't fit into anyone's group. Um, I was friends with everybody. I'm always been bubbly. Hey guys. But I'm, I don't fit into just one group. I'm biracial. Uh, growing up being black and white, I had... I have, I have black friends that are like, well, you have half a shot because you're half white. Like, you know how hard that is? Like, oh, because of my skin color, I have half a shot of, you know, a, a promotion. And then I, like, I went to church when I was little, and I had a girl, like, she was a white girl, American girl. She didn't want to be my friend because I was black. I didn't understand that. And over the years, when I finally realized my skin was a different color and my hair was a different texture, I, I was different. And knowing that I was different kept me isolated. I isolated myself. And then getting herpes, oh, well, there goes five more walls right behind that because now I'm even more different and nobody's talking about it. And I love my mom. I think my, my mom was a, a single mom, so she did the best she could. But our parents can only do so much to talk to us about what's going on. And a lot of the time we're embarrassed. Like, you know, our parents will never say they're mad at you. But what do they say? I'm disappointed. Oh, 
that is the biggest killer. So when you go to tell your mom you have all these problems, and again, your your parents usually support you, and my mom does. My mom knows my sexual health and issues going forward. But I didn't know how to talk about it. I, I was disappointed in myself. I was ashamed of myself. I isolated myself. I didn't know how to talk to anybody. So the herpes made it worse. And like I said, once I finally realized, like, Cinema Store is really what caused me to come out of my shell 100. Because Cinema Store wants people to be honest about what's going on in the world. And we want to help people, our youth, because they're going to be struggling coming up with what's going on and sexual health, mental health, any type of skills and development. I can't help somebody else if I'm not being honest with who I am and everybody else in my life. So my business caused me to really just say, F it. I don't care who knows my problems because I want to help my problems and help other people with theirs. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like that's going to hinder your development, being someone who has herpes and running a business? You don't think that that may keep people from doing business with you? I don't care. <laughs> um, like I said, if they matter, they won't mind. And I, business is business, straight up. Like I care about that bottom line like every single American citizen does. I want to have a roof over my head. I, w I want to make sure everybody eats. So when people realize it about me, like, who cares I have herpes? Like, I, that's really the point. Who cares? You're not getting in my pants. Do I even want to sleep with you? What does it matter to you that I have an STI? Especially in relation to business. And I, I say that, you know, it might seem like a wild question, but that was a genuine concern for me. Uh, going into doing this podcast because I did it privately behind the scenes, like just recorded audio and sent it to people. My face wasn't attached to it. My name wasn't attached to it. But going into personal training and working with my friend, you know, after hearing how they butchered Usher in the media when there were those allegations against him for having gave somebody herpes or whatever it was, like I didn't want to be known as, especially for my friend, the gym that had herpes, you know, those trainers over there got herpes, they're giving out herpes, like, and then, you know, people make those kinds of assumptions, um, and, and say that kind of shit, and it's just flat out ignorance, so for me, when I told him, I was like, hey man, like, I don't know if I want to work with you, and be able to, like, do this podcast, just for that fear, he was like, he had the same attitude as you, he was like, ain't nobody worried about that shit, we're here to make money, right. like, that's what this is, right, so, yeah, it it's empowering to, like, here, you as a business owner have that same mentality as someone who has herpes because there's a ton of business owners who have herpes. People, again, your privacy is your privacy. That's why we have all these laws that protect our medical records. Um, business owners, we worry about our reputation. It's the same thing of you know doing things in good faith, um, depending on who your, um, your market is, some of them might shun you a little bit. But again, when you're doing something to help people, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you had an arm cut off. It doesn't matter if you were tongue twisted when you talked. The fact that you are an honest, open, authentic human being that's doing something to help somebody, whether that, again, whether you're making money or not, 
people can see that. So that's what's going to draw people to you. That's why they're going to come to you. And it's not going to matter what's underneath your clothes and underneath your skin. Who cares? I don't know. There's a lot of judgment in the world. And I think America itself isn't for the people. It's for the business at the moment. And I think that's why so many business owners worry because, I mean, our government doesn't make it easy to talk about herpes. We have so many nonprofits that talk about it. Does our government come out with the CDC commercials? Like, let's talk about your sexual health together. They don't do that, okay? And our government makes money off of all of us having these diseases instead of doing holistic health. So they don't want to, they don't want us to get better. They want to make money off of us. They capitalize off of us. That's what the insurance companies do. They capitalize off of us. And, and any business owner, and sorry, I'm, I'm the people, okay? Like, if you're not real to your mission and who you are and depending on what you're selling, people aren't going to come to you. I'm selling truth, okay? That's what my podcast is. And if I'm not going to be truthful... Shoot, ain't nobody going to watch me or listen to what I got to say. Yeah. Well, I know that many people who work with kids, for instance, and, you know, when working with kids, you're dealing with parents. So parent finds out you, as someone working with their kids, have an STD, STI, whichever word they use. I feel like there's this instant connotation or connection to, like, just sex. And they think, this person watching my kid or working with my kid and sex. So you must have the kind of sex life where you're getting STDs. Like that's a genuine concern that people have. And I'm trying to articulate it in a way that makes sense, so to speak, because that's the only thing that I can think of as far as like a person who works with children being concerned about the children that they work with, parents finding out they have herpes and then not wanting to do business with them anymore. No. I, again, everything that I do between youth. Um, I just want to drive that home. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Business yeah. is business. Bus- well, like business you- is business, okay? Um, I don't, again, my sexual health has nothing to do with my business. It's just about me being honest about who I am, okay? And how many kids today are growing up and they're not having those resources to talk about it. So my business is to allow them to talk about these things that are concerning them. And I can be a role model and say, listen, like, don't do what I do. Like, do what I say, not what I've done. (laughs) You know, and if anything, be better than me and not to be competitive, but learn from my mistakes and get better. You know, I want you to be better than me. I want you to reach the sky. You know, I, I don't want you to deal with the same struggles that I've been through. So the only way for me to help someone is to tell them my struggles. It's like, you know, when you hear somebody's testimony, you listen to these motivating speakers and they went through so much stuff and then they have the music that, you know, the increasing music, you are like, okay, but it's, that's what encourages you to be better. They went through so much heartache and our youth can relate to that. Our, everybody can relate to having a health issue. So when you talk to somebody about, you know what, I have, I have a disease. It affects me sometimes. I watch what I put in my body because it feeds it. This is an eye-opening learning experience for somebody else. It's not, it's not something for them. I mean, they could say ew, but in reality, this is something real that they could encounter at a drop of a dime just because they shared a drink. 
So to actually be honest with the parents about it, because the parents might not have any experience on how to deal with herpes or have these sexual conversations. And when, as a business owner, when, when your clients or you know, your customers know that you're true in purpose, that you're not out to hurt them, your products and your service is here for help. It's here to, to, to give you something positive in your life, to help restore something. Roast store, haha, roast You know, so I think it's your presentation, how you approach something. Um, and it's the same thing when you have a business meeting and you have a discl- disclosure. Um, you're being honest about something from the front, so there's no question about what our interaction is actually for. They know my intentions are, are real and honest and, and true, they're good. So you know what, if, a, if those businesses have an issue um, telling about their sexual health, well that's on them. They're the one that's hiding it and they're the one that's hurting themselves. And again, if their business has nothing to do with it, then they're not going to tell it. Yeah. Going back to the groups, um, one of the things that I want to emphasize this fundraiser, especially considering you know, where we are with like COVID, is that I want to extend more support from within our community to people who are, in fact, newer to the community. So uh, I'll interview on a podcast that gets way more listeners than I do and that expands, you know, our reach. And so when people hear that podcast, they may reach out, they may send an email, they may uh, DM me and just, like, want to talk. So something positive for positive people provides therapy for people who are struggling with their diagnosis, like flat out, point blank. And so what I notice is that not everyone who reaches out needs therapy, for me at least. Some people have already had a therapist. Some people are already working on themselves or through their diagnosis. And what they really need is just a friend. They need to be heard or they just need to be connected into these communities. So... I need a better name, but am creating this big siblings program, and that's like part of the whole uh, reason for the fundraiser. That's what in like two hours, yep, about an hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> um, and I want to bring in people who, when I was first doing this podcast, um, it was because people who had herpes wanted to kill themselves. And I was like, I was having a fucking blast <laughs> when I found like the online dating sites and all that kind of stuff. So when I saw that, it was very, uh, it, I was just kind of like, huh, uh, that's white people shit. Like that was Wanting literally what, yes, that was what at that point in time where I was, that was where I was at. Like, that's what I thought, because that's something that I had been like programmed. Like, no, nah, we don't do that. We don't, we don't do that. That ain't us. Like as a black person, that's the kind of shit that I heard. Yeah. And so seeing it affect more and more people, like the longer I was there, it was just like, no, I don't think there's just, this ain't exclusive to no particular race, right. sex, personality, any of that. You've met more men recently or black men that, or, or black women that have thought of committing suicide? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, so. have, we have a big um, stigma on mental health in our community, in the black community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm biracial, so I see myself on both sides. I can't put myself in just one. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's real. Mm-hmm. I've had many thoughts when I had my breakdown. So when I was a manager, I was a manager at a grocery store in 2015. I left. That's when I went to the cruise ship. 
I had thoughts of driving myself off the road um, at night. I lost my best friend at that time, too. We had a fight because of a guy. And long story short, I didn't even tell her. I mean, she, she could be listening to this podcast and just, because I haven't told her, but I mean, she's still my family. I don't care if she knows. But um, I lost her as a friend, and I didn't think I had anybody else to talk to. I'd call her in the middle of the night. And the guy that I really liked that I was messing with at the time, we were lying, and we had our fallout. I didn't have anybody. I would drive home crying, thinking about driving my car off of Mass Pike. Just like, this is, I hate life. I don't have anybody. Mental health is serious. And um, herpes, our community, is very much affected with mental health. Um, And the community itself, um, it helps you with your mental health. You know, uh, I think everybody should. I think this community should be open to everyone. And I think it's safe for those who don't want to disclose or, like, blast it to the world so they can keep their their HIPAA privacy. Um, but I personally feel it helps once you let it off your chest and don't care anymore Mm -hmm. because you're no longer holding something against yourself. You're not holding it back. It's, it's now part of you and you can just let it shine. Okay. Having herpes isn't a, isn't a life, a death sentence. It's actually, it actually creates more life in you. You realize there's so many more channels of life and, there's opportunities that you didn't even know existed now that you have herpes. It's, it's actually pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, how is we that? This is good, but... No, no. But we don't... Uh, it's hard to see it that way when all you have to go off of is what you've seen in the media, what you heard from friends and family about STIs, about herpes, and, you know, the visceral reaction to the word herpes is, ew, I don't want that. And we think immediately to those pictures of clustered, worst-case scenario outbreaks. And, like, that's traumatizing for not only people who are afraid of herpes, but when you get it and it's like, fuck, that's my life now. And that's what we think until we kind of... The storm calms, the dust settles, and we see, oh, my genitals aren't going to always look like that. Oh, I can still have sex. Like, these are the kinds of things that need people need to be aware of. It's like that what your uh, visceral reaction is to herpes is not actually what it is. And I think that the only way to really get that is through our experiences as people who have it. Because, yeah, doctors can say, oh, so many people have this. Oh, you'll be fine. Here's medication. Medication don't work for everybody. Valtrax don't work for everybody. Lysine doesn't work for everybody. Changing up your diet doesn't work for everybody. But one thing that we we struggle with collectively is the the fact that stigma makes us feel like we can't seek help. And that's one of the most dangerous parts of this because we can't, we, we feel as if we can't, um, like there's a petition going around and it's called Penny for Your Thoughts campaign by Rich Mancuso. All he's doing is collecting signatures to advocate for a vaccine. Do you know how hard it is for people to put their names down on this piece of paper and fear that somehow it's going to get released and people are going to find out they have herpes? And a vaccine for herpes. 
Yeah, so okay. like that's what he's advocating okay. for. So Rich Mancuso is the author of uh, Asking for a Friend. He participated in a clinical trial for a functional cure for herpes. He mm-hmm. wrote a book about it. He's got a website, and okay. um, that's what he's doing. He's collecting these signatures and advocating. He's sending in the letters of Congress all the time, like trying to push for a herpes vaccine or better treatment options because yeah. he was one of the people that got severe painful outbreaks yeah. and he spoke up about it. So we hear more from people on extremes like I'm good with herpes, you're good with herpes and this is like oh, what our stories this. are. And then you've got the people on the other extreme like him who hey, this is the worst fucking thing to happen like I need help, I want better help and yeah. he's also aiming to help people. That majority of people aren't on either end of that spectrum. Who have herpes okay. and these yeah. are the people who are the potential change makers for either giving people mental healing emotional healing or advocating for a tangible thing to be done like a cure and so it's a matter of like bringing these two kinds of resources together and integrating them on you know a podcast or bringing people into the groups and to awareness that like yeah this is a community and it's a community that's impacted mm-hmm. and we can in fact do something to make a change, whether that looks like a vaccine, a cure, or something like PrEP that keeps people who have herpes from passing it on to someone else, rather than it being a lowered percentage with daily medic, uh, with the daily antivirals. Or, you know, when people are diagnosed, like they go through their healing process. And then we just put these two together and put it in a place where people can find the resources when they need it, and people who, before they need it, at least know that it's available and they have some general knowledge around I think what we should do we should like make a video right real talk real talk about herpes right it sucks at times let's keep it a hundred okay I'm not gonna tell you I'm happy go lucky with herpes 24 7 are you kidding me like again when I first got it it was the worst outbreak of my damn life sick as a dog you learn how to deal with it on well you don't always learn how to deal with it on your own you read and then, like I said, with our communities, it helps. I don't want to say that I'm a happy-go-lucky person. I agree with this guy. We need more. CDC, the CDC needs to put a page up on their site about herpes. Guys, it's not a life sentence. You're not. I mean, it's not a death sentence. You're not going to die. I think they got that, though. Is like, it, does it say it exactly like, like that? It says it very little. Wording, yeah. it, it will say the percentages. I've seen some of it. But it still doesn't give people resources. Okay? It doesn't say, hey, girls, use a hair dryer because... You can't dry out your coochie, okay? But it will dry out the sore. And I, but it's true. I mean, how many times have I seen it in all of the groups, different groups on Facebook? Oh my gosh, I'm having the worst outbreak. What do I do? And now that we have our resources, because we are the resource, that's why our groups are so great, okay? That's the episode title. We are the resource. <laughs> cool. I needed to say that because I forget. Like, I didn't realize <laughs> that, but but we are okay and. We have to stick together. That's why it's so important to to reach out to the older generation who hasn't given us enough. And us being a millennial, we are the generation that is going to help everybody else underneath us. So if we don't come together, put the resources on the table for everyone else underneath us, it's never going to get better. If we don't shine the light on the problems and make it better so you guys can succeed or not get the same stuff that we have... Well, then it's not going to get better. Everybody's going to continue to have mental health problems. The stigma is going to continue to grow. We're not going to shine enough light on the help that needs to be. 
And what you and I do, we both care. So we don't want people to be hurt. We want people to socialize. We want people to get out and have healthy relationships. And I, I don't think our CDC realizes the harm of not testing. I don't think they realize the harm of keeping things quiet. I see, you know, they're just being a completely different animal at that point of, you know, we know how to deal with, or the CDC knows how to deal with people not knowing. And they, I mean, they don't have to really. They're just like, here's what it is. And then they don't have like access to the messages that come in from people who are like, I want to fucking kill myself. I have tried to kill myself. If they don't see any of that. So like, to be so disconnected from the idea that sexual health is in fact interconnected with mental health, it's it's inexcusable for the Center for Disease Control to kind of to look at it that way, yeah. and not have additional resources. Or maybe they do, and we just got to dig through them and find them. But it needs to be available. It needs to be out there. Um, I'm happy to see that some people reaching out who found the podcast are like. I just got diagnosed yesterday or I was diagnosed and my doctor told me about this podcast. Like for people to be able to find this resource so fast and then be able to connect to whatever else it is that they need has been like one of the most fulfilling things throughout this process. It's like, you ain't got to go through that five, six year period that I went through that four or five year period that I went through where I thought I was the only motherfucker with this shit. Until, like, I started to tell people and then they knew somebody or they were cool about it and made me feel safe about yeah. uh, saying something to them. So, yeah, that's ultimately the goal is, like, the stigma isn't going anywhere. So we got to be able to do what we need to do in order to give people the tools that they need in order to navigate their diagnosis and navigate the stigma in the way that they choose. So everybody ain't got to shout from the fucking rooftops and... Uh, make a social media post that they have herpes. It's not about that in any way, shape, or form. No. Advocacy can just look like disclosing. It can look like taking ownership of your sexual health when uh, you talk to your doctor, going in and getting tested regularly, challenging your partners, your potential partners, uh, on knowing what their status is. If you're someone who is, uh, you know, single and dating or in a relationship, like, none of that matters against, uh, uh, when it comes to testing, like you should always be getting tested, mm-hmm. like get an STI test and re- the frequency changes based on relationship styles. But, you know, there are things that just don't show symptoms. And, you know, in relation to herpes, I'm not going to sit up here and say everybody go and get a herpes test right now because, you know, there's no reason to. But if you feel like something's off, you know, this is a possibility. And I think once we have that, everybody needs a good scare. Yeah, for real. When everybody get that scared, like I became a herpes expert because I thought I had it before I was diagnosed. I tested negative the first time that I got tested, but I noticed that there was a presence of antibodies at that time. And this is a question that I've yet to have answered is, was it repeat exposure or just over time, like my antibody count just went up Mm. to where I could test positive because I was under the amount of antibodies to test positive. So maybe it was a new exposure who knows but nobody can yeah no one can answer that question for me so we'll we'll get there it's nuts it's nuts yeah but the same thing so like i have a friend that has type 1 and she's never had an outbreak genital but 
she tests positive for two, but she also, she's a nurse, she's going to be a nurse practitioner. And, uh, is she going to be that? I don't know. But, uh, you know, but she, she tells me all the stuff that she knows about her studies. And she's like, that type two could actually be false. It might not be even real because, again, the fact that she already carries the antibodies to HSV-1, it could be a false reading. So it's almost like that's the same thing with the CDC now. So now it goes back to that. Do we trust the test? Yeah. And that comes to their part. Well, if you don't have any symptoms, don't go get tested. Because now you're just creating a scare in your mind of this panic. But if you get tested, at least you know where you might be at. So at least you can educate yourself and your potential partner. Yeah. You can automatically stop a disease from spreading if you think you might have something. And you can just say, let's just be safe about it. Let's not exchange bodily fluids in that way. <laughs> Let, you know, and again, if you don't have a sore, then, because that's the thing, you can wear condoms and still pass herpes. But if you don't have an actual physical sore, open, you know, flesh, then you've taken the precautions. You're too, hopefully, it should be adults, consenting to sexual matters. And you've discussed the possible things that could happen. It's like, I tell guys, like, if we have sex, like, you know there's a chance I could get stuck with you for the rest of our life because if the condom breaks and I get knocked up? These are real talks. And if people don't have these conversations, then you're going to be living in a fear. You're, you're not going to be open about what could happen. And then if it happens, then you're scared. If you knew what could happen, then at least you're half the, you know, knowing is half the, What's that? What do they say? Knowing is half the... Half the battle. Half the battle. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. You good? Smoked a lot in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're coming to a close here on our time for the episode. Um, so just circling back to wanting to get people support because, like you said, we are the resource. And so, like... People don't realize, like they think that Courtney is the only person that they can talk to or reach out to in regards to this. So like I'm making an effort to collect like the people who want to get involved with um, just providing support because again, we are the resource, right? All day. And being able to just bring people into this community in a welcoming manner, in a way that they're prepared for, because in different ways it can be overwhelming, it can be intimidating, it can be exciting, it can be intense, like it can be a number of different things, and mm -hmm. you get so much more out of just community than uh, you get out of being afraid of someone being in there that you know, Yeah. because that's a real thing that keeps people from wanting to welcome themselves in, so um, that that is something that I'm working on to have in preparation for 2021 is that when people reach out to me that I'm able to connect them with someone who perhaps can introduce them into the space more so than me just being like, all right, well, I'm going to have this conversation with you, see where your head's at, and then decide whether or not, you know, I just add you to this group or that group based on what right. I think you need. Right. Because it's, who am I to play God in that regard? Right. like to decide this is what you need rather than listening to people and like having people share um, the resources in themselves so that's what I want to do and that's where we are on top of paying for people to get therapy on top of 
uh, doing this podcast on top of working to integrate our post-SCI diagnosis support resources with STD prevention efforts. That's a mouthful, but it's, it's real. <laughs> like, that's why we're here. Yeah. So. I tell people, you know, hey, I'm on, it's Jen Lamar, L-A-M-A-R, on Facebook. It's gone public. Don't care. You could email me at Jen at Cinna, C-I-N-N-A-R-O-S-T-O-R.com, Jen at Cinnarostore.com. If you have any issues, problems, you need advice, you got boy problems, you got girl problems, financial problems, herpes problems, please, herpes problems, send them to me because I love talking about herpes problems. Message me. I love to be supportive to people. I wish I had more support in my life. And I probably wouldn't have had the depression and the suicidal thoughts if I had more support going forward. And that's what's so great about what you do in our group. Appreciate that. All right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, and share this podcast resource and share this nonprofit organization's resources with your healthcare providers. If you got a uh, general healthcare practitioner who you know you work with and they know you have herpes, then why not share this resource with them? If you have a place that you go to and get tested regularly, shout out to Lee who has done my last three SCI tests for me, <laughs> um, then share it with them and give this resource to them so that they have something that they can offer to people beyond just the statistics. And it's something that, you know, we're, we're here for now. Like I, it ain't, I'm the person who's behind this microphone. I'm behind all of the something positive for positive people stuff, but like this wouldn't be what it is without the guests, without the supporters, without the listeners, without the donors, without just the, the, potential connections that are even coming throughout my outreach looking for funding so that we can provide this service at a more expansive rate than we are right now because right now we've got 13 14 people enrolled in therapy um, as of august 2020 um, and i'm looking to do that for a lot more people so that when they reach out and they're seeking support they have it. I don't want anyone to feel like they have to run around and go to other places and get it or, you know, get discouraged finding the wrong stuff. So, again, we are the resource. Till next time, stay sex positive.